We're in a series called Fearless Church. We're talking about the positive steps that you can take in negative times. Or to say it another way, how to lean into your faith rather than into your fears uh, in these very difficult days. And so here's what we've looked at so far in this series. We said first, take a step deeper into your relationship with Jesus Christ. Just one of the biggest steps you can take, a positive step, is to step deeper into that relationship with Jesus Christ. Then week two, help others find the hope that you found. Be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks you why you have hope. Focus on others and help them understand the hope that you have. And then we talked in week three about how to live the Word rather than just listen to it. That if you really want the Word of God to shape your life and to help you in these difficult times, live the Word rather than just listen to it. Today we're going to focus on something else. Today we're going to focus on what will help you the most. Learn to focus on what will help you the most in these difficult days. And so I want you to take your Bibles and turn to Psalm 139. Psalm 139. As you're turning to Psalm 139, let me say that this is a theological psalm. And what I mean by that is it teaches us some important things about God. It's a theological psalm. It's a psalm that helps us better understand who God is and what God is like. But this is also a prayer to God. This psalm is also a prayer to God. We know that because of how it begins. In verse 1, David said, O Lord, you have searched me and you know me. From the very first words of this psalm, we understand David is talking to God. This is his prayer to God. And we really have the privilege of kind of listening in to what David is saying and what David is praying. And as I looked over David's prayer in Psalm 139, I realized that David, in his praying, has a prayer that looks a lot different from my prayer list. Let me tell you what the difference is. Most of this prayer is focused on God instead of on David. In fact, I kind of did a little study there. There's 26 verses in Psalm 139. And out of those 26 verses, 18 of those verses are focused on God. Or to put it to you another way, in David's prayer list, most of his prayer list is focused on God. Five or six verses are focused on on needs, but most of the prayer is focused on God. Now, I took that prayer and I compared it to my own personal prayer list. And right now, on my phone, I have 20 things on my prayer list that I'm praying for on a regular basis. And I added them up, and out of those 20 things that I'm praying for, 18 are focused on me, on the church, and on people that I know. Two are focused on God. So I would say that I probably have a lot to learn from David in his prayer life. Now, now let me make sure you understand something. There's nothing wrong with having a prayer list. Please hear this. There's nothing wrong with having a prayer list. There's nothing wrong with asking God for help. We need to do that. The Bible teaches us that we have the opportunity to come boldly to the throne of grace, to find mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. But sometimes when life gets really hard, we need to focus on something besides us. Sometimes when life gets really hard, we need to focus on something besides our needs. So in this prayer, David shows us two really good things that we can focus on when we pray. And here's what David says. First of all, number one, focus on all that God knows. Just focus on all that God knows. Look in Psalm 139. Let's read through verses 1 through 6 again. O Lord, you have searched me, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. 
You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all of my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. You hem me in, behind and before. You have laid your hand on me. Such knowledge to me is wonderful for me. Too lofty for me to attain. Verses 1 through 6 reveal what scholars call the omniscience of God. That's a very big word, but the word omni, omniscience, omni simply means all or unlimited. When you talk about omniscience, it means that God has all knowledge, that God has complete knowledge, that God has total knowledge. Now, I'm not just saying that God is very intelligent and he knows more than we do. The Bible teaches that God knows everything. There's no question that can confound him. There's no dilemma that will confuse him. There's no event that will surprise him. God has eternal, complete, absolutely perfect knowledge. Hebrews 4.13 says, Nothing in all of creation is hidden from God's sight. Now, why is that true? Because God has perfect knowledge. God knows everything. And, and he even knows things about you that nobody else knows. David talked about that in the scripture. How God knows things about him that perhaps others don't even know. You see, what you need to understand is that God has never had a teacher. That can't be said about you. Somewhere along the way, someone has taught you things. And, and perhaps every week or so, you learn something else. Somebody else has taught you something. Early on in life, someone taught you how to tie your shoes. They taught you how to read. They taught you how to write, how to do math, how to drive a car. They taught you how to uh, drive a car. They, they perhaps taught you how to understand the Bible. Maybe you've had people teach you the Bible and disciple you. We've all had teachers our entire lives. We've all had teachers. But God's not like us. He has complete and total knowledge of everything. God's never had a teacher. God has never needed a teacher. God knows everything. So when David wrote Psalm 139, the thing that amazed him most was not just that God knew everything. The thing that really impressed David was how intimately God knew him. Look at verses 1 through 4 again. David says, first of all, that God knows my every action. Verse 2, you know when I sit and when I rise and you perceive my thoughts from afar. Not only does God know our every action, God also knows our thoughts. He said in the second part of verse 2, you perceive my thoughts from afar. God knows every place I go. Verse 3, you discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all of my ways. And in verse 4, he tells us, even our words, God knows our words even before we speak them. Verse 4, before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. David was saying to you and to me that God knows us personally and God knows us perfectly. David came to this amazing realization. God knows everything there is to know about me. He knows things about me that nobody else knows. God knows what I'm facing. God knows what I'm feeling. God knows what I'm fearing. God knows what I'm fighting. David said, God knows everything. And then David takes it a step further. Because God knows us intimately, he also knows what we need. David put it this way in verse 5. You hem me in behind and before. You have laid your hand on me. You hem me in behind and before. 
That's not a phrase that you and I would use very often, but it basically is David's way of saying, you're protecting me. You're always around me. You surround me. You hem me in behind and before. You're protecting me because of what you know. You know, if you've ever had little kids or grandkids, you've done this. Your knowledge is greater than theirs. And so you watch over them and you protect them. You watch where they're going and what they're doing. You're in front of them and behind them. Your knowledge is surrounding them because you know what they don't know. And because you know what they don't know, you're trying to protect them from things they don't even know about sometimes. And then David said, beyond that, he said, you have laid your hand on me. There's something powerful about that word picture that David uses here. You have laid your hand on me, on me simply means this, that God is there to help you. I read recently from a pastor who said that his father was in a nursing home, and like most people, th- there was no way that they could go see him. They called, and they went and talked through a window and did all the things that people are doing in these days, trying to stay connected to their elderly parents. Weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks have gone by, and, and they've had no opportunity to be in the same room with him. Finally, the other day, somehow, he got to go in to see his dad. And he said when he first walked in, his dad smiled. His dad was in a good mood. And he was kind of laughing. And, and when he first walked in and said hello, his dad was happy and fine. And everything was, was positive and upbeat. Then he said, the moment I walked over and put my hand on my dad's shoulders, he broke down in tears. Just that human touch. He longed for that. He longed for somebody to put his hand on his shoulder. Power of touch cannot be denied. When David said, you have laid your hand on me, David was saying, I can sense the touch of God on my life. And the thought that God knew him and that God's hand was on him was overwhelming to David. Look at what he says in verse 6. Such knowledge to me, such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. I can almost see David as he's writing this prayer out to God, that, that he's sitting there shaking his head in amazement and his eyes are filling with tears as he thinks about how well God knows him. And he says, such knowledge is it's just more than I can obtain in my little mind. It's just more than I can comprehend. It's, it's really more than, than I can take in to realize how well God knows me. Can I say to you today that if you have hit the wall emotionally, if you've hit the wall spiritually, if you feel drained and not even sure life is worth living, can I say something to you today? God knows you. God knows everything about you. Let me show you from Scripture how well God knows you. In verse 13, David says, God, you were there when I was created. Look at verse 13. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Do you know how well God knows you? God created you. That's how well He knows you. Has has anyone ever told you, said to you, you know what, I've known you since the day you were born. I've said that. 
because I'm a pastor with a long tenure here now, 23 or 24 years, whatever it is, I've said to some young people, hey, I've known you since the day you were born. But God can do better than that. God says, I've known you since the day you were created. Because I created you. That's how well God knows you. But it goes beyond that. Look at verse 16. Verse 16 says that God knows the span of our lives. He says, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. God knows the beginning of my life. He was there when He created me. God knows the end of my life, the span of my life. He, he will be there when I come to the end of my days. And God already knows all of, the, all of that. God knows from beginning to end. God knows you better than you know yourself. God knows your sins and God knows your scars. God knows your soul. God knows your sorrow. And because all of that is true, God knows you so completely that God knows your needs. And God knows how to help you. That's what David was focusing on in this prayer. The first part of his prayer, he was focusing on all that God knows. Jesus picked up this idea in Matthew 6, 8 when he said, Your heavenly Father knows what you need before you ask Him. God knows. God knows everything about you. Rest in that today. Don't let that scare you. Rest in that today. Your heavenly Father knows what you need. And He knows how to help you. Now there's a second thing we can focus on as we pray. The second thing is this. Focus on the nearness of God. In verses 7 through 10... David talks about the nearness of God. Now, scholars use a big word to describe the nearness of God. It's the word omnipresence. And again, remember what that word omni means. Omni means all or unlimited. So omnipresence means that God is present everywhere simultaneously. God's not limited to space and time. He can be everywhere at all time with everyone. Now, of course, we can't do that. But would you agree with me that God is bigger than you are? That God can do what you can't do? Here's the way I'd like to say it to you. You may want to write it down. Though God is bigger than I can imagine, He is nearer than I think. Though God is bigger than I could imagine, He's nearer than I think. David talks about this in these verses 7 through 10. Let's read them together. Follow along. Get ready to underline a couple of things I'll show you as we read. Where can I go from your spirit? Now again, David is praying to God. He's talking to God. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, as high as I could go, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, as deep as I could go, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, that is in the east, you're there. If I settle on the far side of the sea, the Mediterranean, the west, you are there. Then he says, look, verse 10. Even there, I love that, those two words, even there, your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. I would ask you to underline two phrases. First of all, your hand will guide me. And the next one, your right hand will hold me fast. I want to tell you something. You can't say that unless you believe in a God who is close by. Unless you believe in a God who is near. So if you're dealing with marriage problems or health problems or financial difficulties or family problems, if you're looking for a job or maybe you're just looking for hope, 
Remind yourself as you pray that you serve a God who is always close by. David realized that, and as he's praying, he says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? Because you are a God who is always close by. And no matter where I go, you're there. You see, God is present with us in all places, and God is present with us in all circumstances, and God is present with us at all times. And I love this phrase. I want you to make sure it's marked in your Bible, and maybe you've already underlined it a minute ago. Your right hand will hold me fast. Now, what does that mean? The New Living Translation translates it this way. Your strength will support me. Your strength will support me. You see, I'm not holding on to God. He's holding on to me. That's what he's talking about in verse 10. Even there, your hand will guide me and your right hand, the hand of authority, the hand of power, your right hand will hold me fast. Your strength will support me. I'm not holding on to God in these days of difficulty. He's holding on to me. Your hand will hold me fast. There's a song that uh, Selah sings called He Will Hold Me Fast. Others sing it as well, but I like their version. Here's some of the lyrics to that song. It says, When I fear my faith will fail, Christ will hold me fast. When the tempter would prevail, He will hold me fast. I could never keep my hold through life's fearful path. For my love is often cold. He must hold me fast. He will hold me fast. He will hold me fast. For my Savior loves me so. He will hold me fast. Those beautiful words of that song and the words of David in this text remind me of the last two verses of the little book of Jude. Would you go there with me for the last uh, verse that I really want to share with you? The little book of Jude, it's over in the New Testament. It's right before the book of Revelation. You'll find the book of Revelation, you'll go to the left, and you'll find the little book of Jude, only one chapter. Jude, in this very short letter, concludes his letter by focusing his attention on God. And not just focusing his attention on God, but focusing his attention on God who is fully able to keep those who put their trust in Him. Here's what Jude says. To Him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before His glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God our Savior be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Jude concludes this letter by focusing on this God who is fully able. I want to say to you, life can indeed get overwhelming. Perhaps you've had some days when you've wondered if you've got the faith to make it through. Perhaps you've wondered sometimes if you've got the strength for what you're facing. Perhaps you've wondered sometimes if you're going to be able to finish this race faithfully. Jude was saying the same thing that David was saying centuries before. It is his power, not ours, that will see us through. Life can be indeed overwhelming, but God is never overwhelmed. Never. Jude says in verse 24, To him who is able to keep you from falling. He is able. You're not. But he is. Now look at the last verse of 
in verse 25, the last verse of this short book, he says, To the only God our Savior be glory, majesty, power, authority, through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Again, I like to ask you to underline your Bible. Underline this phrase, before all ages, now and forevermore. You see, in ages past, in ages past, He was the God of glory, majesty, power, and authority. In ages past, that's who He was. And as you live your life, He is still the God of glory and majesty and power and authority. And forevermore, in the future, He will always be the God of glory, majesty, power, and authority. And every new crisis is a new opportunity to trust God. You probably remember these words. You've sang them before, I bet. Through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. His grace hath brought me safe thus far. And grace will lead me home. There's a reason that Amazing Grace remains one of our favorite hymns. It has some powerful lyrics to remind us that it is by God's grace that we've been saved. And it is by His grace that we will be brought through this troublesome thing called life. So when you pray, when you pray, it's fine to have a prayer list. But hear me, there are some days when you need to lay your prayer list aside and focus on God. There are some days when you don't need to add to the list, God, I need and I need and I need and I need and I need. There are some days when you just need to lay that list aside. And do what David did. And focus on God. Focus on the knowledge of God. And focus on the nearness of God. God knows everything there is to know about me. So He knows my need. And He knows the best way to help me. And God is always near me so close that His hand is on me and will guide me. And His hand will hold me fast. It's not can I finish strong. But I'm trusting in the one who is able, by his grace, to help me finish strong. I want to ask you a question. Do you know personally this God who is able? Do you have that kind of a relationship with God? You see, religion won't do that for you. But God can. Religion is, is basically man trying to follow a bunch of rules and trying to do his best to be good and be right with God. Salvation is when we turn to God in faith and we're trusting in Him. His grace will save me. And His grace will take me home. If you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, I want you to bow your heads right now. Everyone watching, I would ask you to bow your heads right now. And would you, if you've never trusted your, trusted your life to Jesus Christ today, right there where you are in your living room, sitting on your couch, sitting on the back porch, sitting at your kitchen table, you can say something like this from your heart. Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I believe you died on the cross for me. I surrender my life to you. And I ask you to be my Lord and my Savior. I repent of my sin. And I claim you as my Savior. Thank you for saving me in Jesus' name. Amen. Now with every head still bowed, if you are a Christian, maybe you're struggling because life has been hard lately. As you pray, 
Focus on the knowledge of God. Focus on the nearness of God. And all of a sudden, you'll begin to realize He is able. Father, in the name of Jesus, we're grateful. You are indeed able to save us and to keep us even through life's dark days. We thank you for that in Jesus' name.